All right, welcome to the first official episode of the Discomfort by Design podcast. My name is Taylor Quick. I am your host. And uh, before we get started, I want to ask that you take a minute and go like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever streaming service you are using. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That's going to help really push this podcast and help it grow. It's going to get that algorithm engaged and get us out there. Uh, Please share it on your social media. Feel free to do that. I would really appreciate if you guys could like, share, review, subscribe, all the things. Do all the things uh, for the podcast. That would be awesome. I really appreciate it. So for the first episode, we are joined by Mr. Jack Donovan. Jack Donovan is an author, a speaker, a men's coach. And he has some really awesome perspectives on modern masculinity and creating discomfort in our everyday lives. Uh, Jack is somebody I have a lot of respect for. He definitely marches to his own drum and lives his life uh, the way that he sees fit. But he does so with a, with a grace and a poise that, uh, that I really respect. So where there are differences in opinions and differences in belief systems, there's a lot of common ground um, with Jack and, and with everybody that I'm going to bring on this podcast. So without further ado, Mr. Jack Donovan. All right, man. So I'm on with Jack Donovan, uh, author, men's coach leader, <laughs> whether intentionally or not, um, is someone that I have a great deal of respect for and I'm really excited to talk to. So Jack, uh, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. (laughs) So a quick question to jump right out into this one. So I thought we were going to have to actually postpone this recording because of uh, an incident that happened to you last week. Uh, Did you get any of that resolved? Oh, there'll be a long time to be resolved. Uh, I guess what you're talking about, just so because your listeners will actually won't know, is that uh, my, my shop got robbed. Uh, they rammed the windows with something, uh, so the, the the frame of the windows are actually messed up, and uh, broke through the glass, and then uh, proceeded to steal all my most of my camera gear. Uh, so I had to spend the past week. I had to, I canceled about four podcasts, and uh, I had to spend the last week, you know, rebuying stuff. Um, but not everything. Cause you know, I don't want to spend $15,000 and, uh, like rebuying stuff and then, uh, um, getting everything to work again. Uh, I was trying to get set up for you, uh, in uh, my other meetings today, last night, uh, I thought I was going to get my iPad pro to be a new laptop for me. Cause my laptop got stolen and, uh, that didn't work technically with all this gear. So I had to like, you know, I actually ended up rebooting an old computer that I thought was dead, like an old iMac that I thought was dead. And uh, that's working now. And so I have everything running off that. Uh, so I, I still have my other computers. I didn't lose everything. Uh, just, uh, you know, a, a good bit of stuff. <laughs> and I'm sitting here in a very, uh, I wore a flannel shirt today. I'm not trying to do a, I mean, I guess I did do campfire lighting just because I was like going with the flow. Because uh, I my, they did left my lights. Uh, but uh I, I figured I'd be freezing because I turned on the heat, but I mean, I'm missing three windows. So like, I'm basically outside. Uh, so I, I'm like, well, I'm going to need to like, you know, stay warm in here while I do podcasts today. No, we don't, we don't have that problem here in Mississippi right now. I mean, it's uh, 75 and sunny. Um, nice. we got like a hundred percent chance of tornadoes tomorrow though. So it's, you know, it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting time of year for us. 
Um, <laughs> man, I, I hate that happened though. Now, you know, I saw that happen on Instagram, and I really like the tone of your post and and how you how you kind of framed all that. And it was like, you know, hey, it happens. Now we got to address it. So, I mean, that that I really like that. You know, and and one of the things that I've seen a lot with people lately is that they they're victims of circumstance, and and yeah. how that affects their mind. How do you how do you avoid that pitfall? Well, I th- think you know people handle crises differently, but I think that you know obviously you want when something's bad happening, bad is happening. You want to kind of be the the calm center of the storm and uh, not not uh, lose everything. I mean, there's that part from uh, uh, the poem if and. You know when everything is about crazy is about you. You know I, I, I did, quoted it really badly. I used to know it by memory, uh, but uh, to keep your head, it's something about keeping your head, uh, and uh, that's important. I think uh, any kind of leader role, because if you're a leader, whether you're a leader of a family or you know other men in a situation uh, at work or whatever, if there's a crisis, obviously if people are looking to you and you're freaking out, they're going to freak out too. And you can see that even, even with your dogs or like, you know, like uh, kids or whatever, they feed off of your energy. And so if you're like in a state of like chaos, then they're going to be in a state of chaos and then they're going to be harder to control. And then they're going to make everything worse. Uh, so, you know, when stuff's going down, you just have to figure out what needs to get done. And, uh, you know, my buddy stopped by while I was, uh, dealing with the police like on the phone they were chasing down my cheapest most useless laptop i mean my, my cheapest most useless ipad and uh there was a homeless guy downtown had it and uh you know but it, they were chasing the pings and uh and so like i was texting him the pings and it was kind of exciting uh you know the police actually did a pretty good job i mean at least for the day they spent pretty much the whole day messing with my uh case and uh so they, they got some stuff back, but you know, I, it, my buddy stopped by to kind of help me out or see what I needed or anything. And I was just kind of, a, you know, laughing at the whole fucking situation. Cause that, you know, it is what it is. And uh, just trying to figure it out. Um, you know, and he was just like, wow, you are really calm considering there's, you know, broken glass everywhere and what's going on. And, and uh, that was just, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm that way. That was kind of my natural state, but also, you know, I think it's a little bit of, being older and a little more mature and that too. And, uh, and uh, I won't say that when I found out the insurance wouldn't cover it, I may have thrown something uh, later, <laughs> but oh, that was man. like two days later. I think I came back to the office and threw something, but like, you know, I was, I was the only one here, you know, like, you know, Did you throw I, something yeah, like, cover? yeah, like, uh, <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> basically I was covered for liability. I, I, I then went and bought insurance now because we've learned that lesson because that's what life teaches you lessons. And uh, I had liability because that's what the building wanted me to have. And uh, so I uh, now have, you know, property and theft and, and uh, windows because the landlord doesn't cover that. And uh, so <laughs> I, they have all that covered now. Uh, so, but, you know, like, uh, you know, it just teaches you lessons. Uh, I, I was thinking about posting about it uh sometime today there's this great quote from the godfather it says like women can afford to be careless and men can't afford to be careless and uh it's a great 
line and it's so true because you know like this is i should have looked at that line at the least i should have like uh i should have known that yeah i should have uh you know checked i should have had the insurance uh you know like i paid the extra 750 bucks a year or whatever uh um you know not had the lights on or you know whatever like it's uh you know you live and you learn so i i, I was careless and i got punished for it you know yeah, but yeah. that's that's how you know you know some people have people in their lives like a dad or whatever that are and my dad's really cool and he would probably have told me that too but uh he, he uh you know people some people have people with them that are like hey hey guy you should probably look into that before you sign this you know do this or whatever and you really need this because this happens but you know i didn't have anyone to tell me that at that particular time so it was on my own so um you know you learn those lessons and that just becomes you know better for next time you know yeah man no doubt so how did how did you get that way to where that zen center is there where you're just kind of calm in the middle of that storm because you know i know when I was younger, and I'm sure you too, we're much more reactive to things instead of responsive. And, and we yeah. tend to fly off the handle or, or fly hot or whatever. So what was that transition? How'd that happen for you? Well, I mean, it's, it's always great if you can learn things the easy way in life, but sometimes you just learn them the hard way. Uh, and so, you know, we had, I had this conversation with a, uh, a higher belt he's actually a, a an mma fighter um who does pretty well and a cop i think uh it, one of the last guys i rolled with uh, in jiu-jitsu and uh he was saying that he was impressed because i'm a strong guy that i wasn't doing all the strong guy things um i mean i still do a lot of them but uh i that i wasn't you know that i was using some technique and and so forth and he he thought that i would just you know and and i told him i was like well you learn after it's happened a million times that, you know, if you just super sign your way out of like, you know, with someone good, um, you'll usually super sign yourself into an arm bar because you're, you're like, you do something like crazy. And then like you get caught by someone like who knows better. And that happens in life a lot. I think, uh, you know, you, you, if you just do something crazy and reactive right off the bat, you're not thinking things through and you're probably going to get caught. <laughs> you know, you're probably going to get, uh, you know, smacked down a little bit uh, because you didn't, you know, think about what to do. And uh, you're just re you're just reacting and doing something. I mean, and you can do that with, you know, we talk about it with online interactions and so forth. I mean, you know, like there's, you know, you have to learn that, especially like kind of being a public figure, you know, like that you can't take everything personally and you need to just like not react to that, not react to that, not give you that. I'm not going to give you this thing that you want from me. You know, like uh, you, you have to control that response a little bit more. And so, you know, some people like hear that, you know, they'll hear that me say that or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, I need to handle that better. And maybe they'll do it and they won't have to learn the hard way. Uh, I mean, I've learned that the hard way sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I you know, was smart enough to figure it out ahead of time. Well, that's, that's interesting, you know, because we see a lot of people in those online interactions where sometimes they do engage with people, the, the yeah. trolls, so to speak, and sometimes oh, yeah. they don't. How, how do you do that, man? Because, like, I mean, I've seen you engage with people sometimes who are coming at you purely just to be antagonistic. Um, yeah. And, and you've always seemed to do it in a pretty respectful way. But, you know, but how, do you, how do you walk that line? 
I mean, I have one a dude I'm playing with right now. <laughs> like, on a, on a, a thread because I'm like, I was kind of making a point that, that these guys are, you know, like this particular group of people. And it wasn't, it's not the whole group of people, but that, you know, um, I've seen you kind of a, a certain group of new Christians kind of be really, really kind of hateful and like trying to like, uh, you know, like not like guys who were raised that way and not like the, all kinds of other dudes who were totally cool. But there, I've seen a certain thread of that, that like some yeah. certain new guys who've recently converted get really angry and they're really like they're trying everything else is wrong. And they're like, you know, they're because they're insecure in their faith. And uh, and so because they're insecure in their faith, they they are, again, very reactive and very uh, over the top about it. And it, it looks bad because it makes people not actually want to see what they're doing at all. And uh, I was kind of just playing him and using him because I was like, uh, you know, oh, tell me more. Tell me more. what are you doing? And he's like, just ranting and ranting and ranting and ranting. I'm like, you are making exact my point. And I'm like, thank you. You're doing a great job. I pinned his post, you know, like, uh, you know, like, and it's a little game of cat and mouse. I actually, uh, I learned writing really from arguing people with people on the internet. So <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, like you play, I probably from message forums, you know, like, uh, back back in the day uh you know you argue something out and you learn how to like be political about it a little bit because you're not going to get the response you want if you're just like you're fucking wrong and you're an idiot and i hate you you know like if you do that then you're going to get that response back and you're not actually going to make a point you're just going to get into the flame war or whatever and, and uh you know you learn how to be a little bit more political and i'm like well if i say this now it doesn't have the right effect but if i say it like later it'll have more impact and so you just learn to measure it, I think, a little bit. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's funny you brought that like, one up. Yeah, that's that's uh -huh. exactly the the instance I was thinking about. I saw that post this morning. Oh. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like he, he is setting this guy up. It's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, this is not my first rodeo, son. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. I'm from the internet, uh, but <laughs> it's it, it was it was a fun one, but you know. And, and it's a great point. And I, I think, uh, you know, I agree with what you're saying. You know, that's, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in, in Christ right, and things right. like that. That's the way I was raised. Um, sure. you know, down here in the deep South, it's, it's pretty much the thing. Um, but, but right. man, I'm, I'm right lockstep with what you were saying. I think there's a lot of people yeah. who are, are going about it the complete wrong way, but man, that's a, that's a whole yeah. other, whole other tangent we can yeah. go down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, you know, just, uh, I was seeing a lot of like, if you're a Christian, you're an idiot. And like, Jesus can bend prince your soul and like all kinds of this stupid stuff. And I was like, you need to stop. Yeah. 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 So man, let me help me understand you, man. What's your backstory? Tell me something about you, where you're from, how you got to where you are. I mean, I know it's extensive, but Give us, give us the, uh, the highlights. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I descended from Zeus's left testicle <laughs> and that, that, that's how I was born. Now, um, it, 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 I mean, I'm from Pennsylvania, um, Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, and it's a German and, uh, you know, German and English and whatever. And, uh, you know, I had a, I was a very artistic kid. I mean, I have an art background. So, uh, went to art school in New York city, like every, uh, uh, 
it's like the perfect like, 80s story like i'm from a, i grew up beside a cornfield and i'm gonna make my way to new york and make something of myself you know like that kind of uh thing and uh you know, I did that. And uh, then, you know, I had a little bit too much fun in New York. I worked in nightclubs. I did all kinds of stuff. And I, I saw a lot of life, I think, in New York. And uh, I went back home for a while, then moved to San Francisco, also saw a lot of life, worked for a French chef, worked for all kinds of uh, software company, uh, did, P did PR for a while. Um, then, uh, you know, moved to LA, liked it for like a year, and then spent the next two years trying to get out uh and uh you know it's a terrible place to be a poor nobody uh you know i was i was a stock boy at crate and barrel uh you know it's uh then uh you know i wrote a book a little you know book before the way of man about masculinity and uh someone said that i didn't define it very well uh you know because i had a i had a turnaround i think you know because I, I was very much more on the artistic side and like I probably would have called myself a feminist and I probably, you know, was, I was, a, I was a Democrat and, and all kinds of things. Uh, and then I found, you know, I questioned a lot of things when I turned around 30 and, uh, I saw, I, I actually read Jack London's the sea wolf. Um, it was recommended to me by somebody and I hated Jack London when, when, when I was in high school, I thought it was like, it's just stuff that they made you read. And I'm like, this is boring. And, uh, then, uh, when I read that as an adult, I was like, it's a, it's a great story about a man in a very, very civilized, comfortable world, basically getting thrown to the wolves. Uh, you know, he, you know, he falls off a ship and gets rescued by uh, a sea captain, uh, hence the sea wolf. And uh, who is just this gnarly dude who, you know, like gives him these lectures about like, you know, how like how his life is meaningless and like like you know strength is what matters and and uh and uh look, look oh this guy fell down well i guess we'll just throw him overboard where there's another guy you know like that kind of like really like gruff like grizzled kind of masculine mentality and uh you know this guy obviously the civilized writer guy responding to all of that and uh but also realizing the power in it uh, and that, uh, that was, and it, it just kind of triggered a whole like, uh, investigation into masculinity for me and as to what was being lost in our civilized kind of soft world. And, uh, then, uh, when I wrote about masculinity for the first few times, I was doing what a lot of people do and what they do is, um, they just repeat things that they've heard, you know, like, uh, like my grandpa said that men are supposed to act this way. And I saw on TV, the guys are supposed to act this way. And they, they don't really have a cohesive viewpoint of what that is. A lot of times, if you ask them what masculinity is, they would say they don't really know, you know, like they would, they would just string together a whole bunch of movie quotes and, and uh, things and, you know, like uh, examples. And so my project became, someone said I didn't explain masculinity very well. So I, my project became to explain masculinity um, in a way that, you know, I thought that was universal, uh, that made sense if you were a Muslim or made sense if, you know, you were, you know, in Africa or, you, you know, it made sense 300 years ago or 500 years ago or 1500 years ago. Like, what's the same? And uh, so that was what the way of men was. And that's uh, that's been an interesting ride because, you know, when I started writing about masculinity, I stopped working in like office jobs and I got like 
some blue collar jobs. And, uh, you know, I was a delivery truck driver. I delivered exercise equipment for a while. And that was kind of my favorite job ever. And, uh, you know, drove delivery trucks for a while, did some tattooing right when I started after the web man made a little money, go went to tattoo school, started tattooing. And now I don't do any of that. And hopefully I never will have to again, but, uh, you know, so I, I got to, I've got to see a lot of sides of life. Um, so, uh, the way of men, I obviously have been doing that, you know, like the way of men and masculinity and my other books have been, uh, writing and talking about this for really, I started writing and talking about masculinity about 15 years ago. And now, you know, way of men came out. This is the 10th anniversary of, uh, of the way of men. Yeah, no, so that's, that's an absolutely incredible book. I, I enjoyed that book. I, that's part of the last two year journey for me was reading the way of man, um, a more complete beast is actually on on my to read list. Uh, hadn't got to that mm-hmm. one yet, um, but you know, a, the way of man, along with like sovereignty and the comfort crisis, and a lot of these books have really helped to frame what I think and what I believe I should be as a man and how I should interact with the world around me. Because the modern world is increasingly less masculine and increasingly more comfortable. And, and when I noticed that juxtaposition, I started kind of questioning, is it possible to embrace manhood without embracing discomfort? The answer I kept coming up with right. was no, it's not possible to embrace manhood and embrace comfort. Can't do both. Yeah, I would say, I would say that yeah, there's a weird thing with the discomfort. Um, that, uh, that guys, they get into a weird masochism with it. I think that also is kind of weird, um, where they start chasing like, yeah, that really hurt. Let's do it again. You know, like, uh, and that's, that's kind of, yeah, yeah. That's, that's its own thing. That's a, that's a weird <laughs> yes. fixation, especially military Correct. guys get that because they think that that's how life is because they were 18 and they were <laughs> they were just treated badly for a long time you know like oh you have to get up and do a million push-ups and you know whatever and so they kind of crave that but or i've also met one met guys who like leave the military and refuse to work out ever again in their life uh because they've already been made to do it but that uh, which is also not the best but uh the way i see it is is uh anything that you're going to do that's worth doing is probably going to be hard and uh, to progress, you're going to have to be uncomfortable in some way. Um, that doesn't mean everything necessarily has to hurt uh, to be good or that you can enjoy something and have like, enjoy a nice meal and have a, a nice drink and like uh, have a nice chair and a nice house. Uh, you can have all those things, but you also have to uh, go out and seek hard things. Um, and not just because you could just like hide in your own little bubble and then like imagine yourself. I mean, it's like, what's that? Uh, you know, it used to be an onion article and then it just has been repeated over and over. It's uh, you know, average man, you know, overestimates his ability to win a fight by like 10,000 times or something like that. Um, you know, because you can, if you, if you don't have any interaction with other men, you can convince yourself of almost anything. And uh, you can, you can imagine that you're fantastic, you know, and uh, you know, if interaction with other men will teach you that you're actually not, uh, you know, like, or, or that it's harder than you think, or um, you'll learn a lot about yourself. And so for me, I mean, 
it be it becomes things that you enjoy i mean like uh to me like working out is not discomfort really um but it, i guess it is if you've never done it and it's not part of your life i mean i've been working out for at least 10 years probably more um and like very regularly and so to me you know like dealing with bills is way more uncomfortable than going to the gym you know like if i have to deal with paperwork in the government that is way more uncomfortable than going to the gym because i like going to the gym that's fun for me but i guess i think for people who are just soft and have never done anything it is fun to see guys who have like never lifted a weight or like never done anything do that for the first time and watch them on their progression of getting stronger and how good it feels uh yeah, that's super exciting uh to watch and especially it's dudes with deadlifts it's always deadlifts because it's the first thing that goes up really fast you know like right. it, it's really easy to get your deadlift up pretty high without doing a whole bunch of other stuff uh so you know dudes will do be like i can barely lift 135 pounds and like you know a year later they'll be pulling 315 and they're like which is like crazy heavy to other people uh it's pretty normal for any guy who deadlifts but like you know people will build up to that and it's really exciting for them and yeah, uh absolutely. so you know i guess at this point in my life that's part of my life that you know i i, I enjoy that um you know it's it's just a lot of times working out is just laundry. I mean, I've been had a bodybuilding coach for the past uh, few months and uh, you know, I've been doing the same workout for, yeah, like since bef before the beginning of the year. Uh, so, you know, just go in and get it done and it's boring and it's not exciting. There are no PRs and whatever. And I'm just doing the work. Uh, so I guess that's, that's more boring than uncomfortable, I think. But uh, um, I think for me, I, yeah, I think you have to seek out something like that. Uh, for me, it's uh jiu-jitsu uh or grappling i like calling it grappling because you know we're not japanese and uh it's or brazilian you know and i like to i mean that i i can never feel like i i never have discomfort when dudes are trying to strangle me three like two or three times a week yeah you know, I mean, like obviously i'm dealing with you know it's a really it's a stressful situation even when you like it you know like it, it's always <laughs> it's always like you know, it's like, yo, you see the guy who's like, you know, 30 pounds heavier than you. And he's like, most of you to come over and roll with him. You're like, oh, this is going to be a bad day. Uh, you know, this is going to be a hassle. Uh, but you do it anyway, and it's good. And you feel better. You always feel better when you go yeah, and, and do it unless you're like right now, I, my, my arm hurts, my forearm hurts, and I'm not sure what it's from. I just would like for my tendon not to snap. So I'm like kind of like babying it uh, because I don't want to be a retard. But um at the same time, you know, like, uh, usually whenever I don't want to go to jujitsu, then I go, you always feel better for going. Cause you like, you did something and you overcame some stuff and you had a good experience. And, and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just a really positive, uh, I think thing. No, absolutely. And I think the mental side of it's important as well. And I, I think people get hung up on the, the fact that they think that discomfort has to be physical. And, and, you know, a lot of times right. discomfort is mental, it's emotional, uh, it's intellectual, whatever it might be, there, there is a threshold of what we are comfortable with as individuals, as people, and crossing that threshold in any capacity is going to cause some level of discomfort. Oh, yeah. But if we don't do that, there's no way to grow. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, like dealing with this paperwork or whatever, like stuff that I don't want to deal with um, is is very uncomfortable. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, like for for me personally, I mean, uh, I like I said I was doing blue collar jobs. I, you know, went to art school um, being put in the position of having to go being invited to go speak places like I have no background in that. Yeah, like you and you like have to learn like on stage. Like I, I didn't take public speaking classes and stuff in school. I, uh, you know, that's never been anything that I've been trained to do. I just had to. Okay, well, this is this is what they want from me, so I need to figure out how to do that and how do you organize a speech and whatever. And it's, uh, I've never been afraid of public speaking, but for me, it's a big effort. Uh, there are guys, there are guys who are very extroverted personalities that they just talk and talk and talk all the time anyway, and. Uh, and they just they literally come with no notes and just show up and like open their mouths. Uh, and that's that must be really cool. I usually spend about three weeks preparing to do it. But uh, <laughs> it's it's, uh, you know, because I want it to be a certain I want it to be good. So I work on it. And, uh, you know, but that's that's super uncomfortable. And it's something I'd rather not do. But it's if it's the right thing to do, I'll do it. Um, so it's yeah, any of those things, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be physical. People always think of that, you know, it just has to hurt physically to be uncomfortable, but there are a lot of situations that we just avoid being in that um, we need to be in, like to get to the next level, you know, like to have, you know, like go out and, and sell something, you know, like uh, that's, there are certain things that I don't like to do. And sometimes you just want to hire someone else to do it for you, but the, the, there's a, you know, there's certain things that you have to like, overcome if you want to like level up in life no absolutely so what what makes you what makes jack donovan keep somebody from you know being hired to do your books or to do your speech writing or whatever it might be to ease some of that discomfort why do you not do that oh uh, why do i not hire somebody to do that yeah. or um, oh, well, that's that stuff. I, I actually don't feel comfortable doing that for the right reasons, uh, <laughs> like the right reasons. I feel like uh, as a writer, a lot of these guys, they do something else and their speaking is like a sideline or their writing is a sideline for this other thing that they do, uh, whether they're, you know, like I make help people make millions of dollars. And so I need some content. So like they hire someone to write it. They hire a copywriter to write the content for them because what they're really good at is, Hey, let me look at like your business operations and I can fix that real quick. And you know, like that's right. Here's what you need. That's what, that's what they do. But writing is what I do. So if I farm that out, like, what is it that I do anymore? You know, I become Andy Warhol, uh, you know, like, I uh, just, you know, like, Oh, I just pay some people to write for me and be Jack Donovan and I sign it, you know? Um, so I don't know how to do that yet. I'm sure I could do it at some point with certain things. Um, because, you know, people work with you and teach your voice and whatever, but, uh, for me, it's more, I think, uh, personally, uh, you know, whether it's more in a bit business stuff makes me uncomfortable because, uh, I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm a pretty blue collar, lower middle-class background. Um, you know, my parent, my dad worked for somebody his whole life, you know, like the entrepreneur conversations, like, I don't know how to walk into a room and we'll ask a millionaire for money. Like that's a whole different, like, how do you, that conversation happens. That's how things work in the world. But like, I, I don't know how to do that, you know? So I can um, that's a lot of now getting you know, like, get that's an uncomfortable me. thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm looking for an outcome there. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, like, that's just something that like, you know, that's something I just haven't had experience with at all. So, um, you know, to, to level up, to get it, to get investors, to talk about uh, bigger projects where I'm not doing everything, where I'm not coming in and setting up the lights and doing all the like things that I like, kind of like to do anyway. But like, uh, you know, I, there are all the, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that I need to work on, you know? And, and so there's always, as you move up in life and get more successful, I mean, I, I remember when I first sold the, you know, first the, the way man was coming out and whatever. Um, I remember when I placed my first patch order, like, I was like, people seem to like patches. Maybe I should sell patches. And I, and I was like, Ooh, $500. I don't know. You know, like, you know, like I put down a bunch of money. I was like, Oh, I hope these sell. And then I was like sold out of them right away. And now it's like, well, five hundred dollars you can make that back. You know, like but uh, early on taking that leap, like putting money out there and like seeing if it would work, like you know, everybody has their threshold for that. Like now it's like I might want to bring brutal company back, like my clothing company. And so, like, you know, uh, you know, do I want to send, you know, you know, print three thousand dollars worth of t-shirts or whatever? Can I sell them? Um you know, and I have a little bit, my risk tolerance is a little bit higher than it used to be because I've done that and I have a good idea what I can do and not do and how to make it work. So, I mean, you know, I, I took that leap early on and kept going. Well, that, that is exactly like what happens with physical training, right? So your, yeah, your risk tolerance increases your physical tolerances to increase with, uh, you know, you'd be able to lift heavier weights, you'd be able to run further, faster, whatever it is with training. So we see the same thing happen, obviously, with the mental side, the intellectual side, the financial side, whatever it might be. As we do things in these increments, we increasingly chase that discomfort, push the envelope, reestablish the line. All of a sudden, you turn around and look back and $500 isn't that big of a risk anymore when you're prepared to make a $50,000 risk at this point. Or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's, just, that's still a scary amount of money for me. But uh, but other guys who have already been that way, it's like they've already bought and sold houses and done it. Like, oh, well, that's just $100,000, whatever. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I talked to, like, on my conference call later today, I mean, I'll have Bedros. Uh, and Bedros is, you know, like, you know, you know I, I didn't want to butcher his last name. It starts with a K. I, I really need to like listen to how he pronounces it, uh, but uh, and uh, but Bedros is a baller. Like you know, like he talks. Well, we we raised three hundred three million dollars for that project. And da, 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 da. Like, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, like that's still. But you know, once you get to that level, that's just where you are. And the same thing, like people. Uh, another story I have about lifting is that, uh, you know, I've told this before that you know, like. I, I I was probably always built to be a little stronger, but like, you know, I didn't, I didn't capitalize on that. You know, my life, I was never athletic as a kid. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, I've obviously become a lot bigger and stronger and done a lot of things and uh, you know, grew a lot, obviously from delivering exercise equipment, carrying treadmills upstairs and dumbbells into buildings for day, you know, all day long and all that kind of stuff. And uh now I'm, I'm generally regarded as a kind of freakishly strong dude, like for my size and, and whatever, and age and all that. Um, 
when dudes wrestle with me or whatever. And uh, so, you know, I, I was rolling with this kid and he was probably, you know, 17 years old and, you know, maybe, maybe weighed a buck 40. And, uh, you know, he's trying to arm bar me and I'm just like lift him up off the ground, like with my arm. And, uh, you know, my coach looked over at me. He's like, with a kid that size, you, you escape that technically. You don't use your strength on that. <laughs> but I was just doing it because it was funny. And, uh, but I never thought of myself as being like a strong, super strong guy. So that's not my mentality with it. I was just like, I can't believe I could, this is funny. Uh, but I'm like, am I a bully now? Uh, like, am I a bully now? Like, I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't grow up though. I'm an art school guy, you know, like, I'm like, uh, but uh, uh, it's just kind of funny how, you know, being stronger changes you. And, uh, you know, it just changes who you are. Like you said, like all those incremental steps that you've taken all the way to get stronger and to be, to change yourself and, and to have that discomfort, uh, you, you know, eventually become a different person. You know, like you, the way you interact with the world is completely different. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny that, you know, like you, you just, you know, you're, yeah, you're a different person over time. Yeah, absolutely. So my question that I keep coming to, and this is something I ask everybody that I talk to, why is comfort king in our modern world? Well, I think it always has been. Um, I think it always has been. I mean, if you would have, if you put a, you know, sectional sofa in front of cavemen, don't you think they'd want to sit on it? They've been sitting on like logs for their whole lives. You know, like they'd be like, this is nice. You know, like, woo, you know. Of course they would. Uh, I mean, uh, that's, I mean, that's what, if you look at what people traded back in the, in the day, you know, people traded all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, beautiful objects and, and uh, you know, like rugs and luxury items and and so forth. And those are the trade routes throughout, you know, like Europe and so forth uh, to get those nice things. And actually in the way, man, I talk about it and it's you know myth that I've come back to recently is the Epic of Gilgamesh. And, uh, you know, it's like one of the oldest stories in the world. And, uh, you know, you know, the guy lives in great luxury, but is also a total badass. And then he feels like he's getting too soft and he has to go out in the mountain and out to the you know, forest of timbers and kill Humbaba, the monster. And uh, because he wants to be glorious and you have to go out into the forest uh, to kill the monster Humbaba if you're going to be glorious. And um, but, you know, he also, you know, goes to the end of the world trying to like find eternal life and then uh you know someone talks to him and they're like uh well you know you know having nice you know having you know good beer and having a nice wife and all that is is also part of being a man too and uh and uh, so it, it's a balance and i think that we just are out of balance because we're so protected and and our, our nature is to protect right i mean again a perfect example i talked about insurance today insurance is protection that's what you buy it for. You want it to be, I want to not have as much risk. I mean, so we do all these things to eliminate risk all around us. You know, it costs a little bit, but we do things to eliminate risk and, and to eliminate the, you know, cause people don't want to be in panic state of fear and terror and uh, conflict and this uh, extreme discomfort all the time. You know, we build a house so we don't have to, if you want to be discomfortable, uncomfortable all the time, just sit out in the snow. You don't need a house. You know, <laughs> you just sit outside, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, people, people want 
you know, like there's certain amounts of comfort that we want and protection that we uh, crave. And that's what men actually create in the world is they create that um, safe space because you can't have culture. You can't have culture and all the nice things in life unless you create that safe space. And it's our job to create it. But the, the problem, I think, that uh, I think a lot of me uh, that me and a lot of the other men talking about masculinity have have come to is that uh, we outsource all of that. And it's not because we chose to. It's not like I individually said I would like the police to do all my work for me. And, uh, you know, maybe I could go hunt down those dudes where my Apple thing was pinging and beat the shit out of them and take it back. Um, then I would go to jail. Uh, so I'm not advising that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is, you know, but I didn't have a choice of outsourcing that work. You know, that was, that, that was already decided for me. And the same as like, you know, like whether we're going to go to war with Ukraine, well, I mean, with Russia, my bad, uh, if, if we're going to do that, that is totally out of all of our control. We can, we can d argue about it and talk about it, but whatever is going to happen is going to happen without us. And, uh, and so a lot of these choices have been taking, taken away from us. And so like what is left is just comfort. Um, you know, if you were, you know, a pioneer family, you know, whatever, you know, it, it's just interesting because people have different levels of tolerance for it from what they've done in their lives. So I've, I've joked about it with my friend Clint, cause we both done blue collar jobs and, uh, you know, all these people who have always been in offices their whole lives and have never done anything hard. You're like, you know, I was like cold plunge. Have you ever carried boxes all day in the rain when you didn't want to, but you had to, because it's the only job you had and you were going to get fired. If you didn't, <laughs> that's fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like that's uh, men have had to do really uncomfortable stuff their whole lives just to make ends meet. And the, the thing is that modern society, a lot of times we don't have to do that. And, uh, you know, and so we now we have to seek it out. You know, Disco, if you would have asked a pioneer or some dude working in a coal mine how much he needed discomfort, um, he would have laughed at you. He was like, yeah, comfort, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> comfort sounds fantastic. But so we have to, in the way that, you know, the gym is a substitute for work. I mean, because we don't have to do physical work all day long. So the gym is like where we go to like lift things and move around because we don't actually have to, you know, I mean, that's uh, our bodies will actually atrophy from not doing anything. So we have to go to the gym just so we just don't become slowly weaker and decrepit. Um, and, and so that's, we have to artificially create that discomfort. And so I, th that's what I see a lot of the, the things that guys are doing, whether the cold punches or all that kind of stuff is, is they're, they're engineering discomfort because they don't have to have it. No, I, I completely and, uh, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we, <laughs> I've heard it said this way before, and, and this really, uh -huh. really struck a nerve with me because it's so true. We have become so comfortable in us, in our society because we don't have to be uncomfortable anymore. We literally invented exercise. Like you, you didn't used to have to yeah. exercise. You just went and hunted for your food. No. You built your house. You, you farmed your crops, whatever it was. And, and you were fit and you were healthy and you were strong. But now we don't have to do any of those things anymore because we get in our cars. We drive down to the, 
you know, the, the grocery store, we get our meat that's already dead and processed. We drive back to our perpetually 72 degree home. We cook it in no time flat. We eat it and we do that multiple times a day. We don't ever have yeah. to physically exert anything. And so we, we literally invented exercise <laughs> as a society, as a species, when we never used to have to do it before. That, that was just so preposterous to me when I was when I was kind of contemplating all of this and why it's so flipping crazy. But, you know, and, yeah. and I think I think comfort then becomes a false God where we, we juxtapose it so much. Now we seek it so heavily that it becomes this thing that we are all consumed with. And then I also think people can go the opposite direction too, where they can seek discomfort to the point that it also becomes a false God to where you're, you're going yeah. in such polarity that, that you're not achieving anything. Yeah. Yeah. You just like getting beat up a little too much at that point. Yeah. Like, like I said, it just becomes kind of masochistic and a vice in and of itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what, let me ask you this, man. What, what, do you, what does Jack Donovan do to seek his discomfort? What, what is your version of discomfort for you? Well, I think we already touched on it a little bit. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, I tried to yeah, do uh, some grappling every so often. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll do, I'll seek discomfort for some, for an end. Um, <laughs> this is funny. I haven't released this picture yet, but you know, the Dr. Manhattan picture where he's, you know, cause Dr. Manhattan's always naked. So he's, uh, he's on, he's in, uh, he, he goes to Mars and there's pictures, there's screenshots. You see them all over the internet. And it's like, like I'm leaving this world to not deal with humans again, you know, like in their, in their problems or like to go to the pink sands and where they ship. Yeah. Well, I took this, the, the, that image and I went out to the desert um, and it, with a friend of mine and uh, tried to reproduce that exact shot because I like photography and I'm a nerd like that. And I'm pretty jacked right now. So I was like, I was like, I'm going to go. I've always said my, my online character is orange Dr. Manhattan. And because uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, I'm a man in the world understanding things. And uh, and so uh, I'm like, I'm going to go be Dar orange Dr. Manhattan. So. You know, it's uncomfortable as being naked in the desert at like one, whatever, like nine o'clock at night for trying to get this shot and not move because I have to do a long exposure. So it's like, hold for two seconds. You know, you know, and so I'll do stuff like that all the time just to, to create an artistic end or like something that I want to do. I mean, I'm not afraid to like get cold or be in a bad spot or whatever to just, uh, you know, get something done. Uh, so that's that's kind of a funny one because that was literally this weekend. Um, but you know you don't have to do that. that you know, like, Technology nope. you could you could probably create that shot on a computer. Oh, I could green, a green screen, screen and yeah, 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 yeah. there it is. So yeah, yeah. I, why I'm the good at that and I could do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm good at that and I could do it actually easier and I could probably make a cooler picture. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was like, no, I want to do that because uh, it's it's cooler if I do it. Uh, and so like, I've done a lot of that, like, you know, I've done cold watches, but like, yeah, have I sat in a cold mountain stream? Cause it's a cool picture. Yes, I have, uh, you know, like for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I'll go sit under that frozen waterfall. Sure. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I enjoy doing stuff like that for an end. And that's some of that point I've made is like, well, what, what is the end? Why are you doing it? Not just 
because it's uncomfortable, but like, are you, what, what is he at? Like, um, I go to this bodybuilding gym right now and, and, uh, all these dudes, you know, just went through a competition and, you know, obviously they've been starving for like weeks. Uh, cause that's how that works. And, uh, it sucks. And, uh, and uh, then they get dehydrated and do all this stuff so that they can have this moment because they're, they're working all this to get for an end and, uh, to, to look this one way on the stage for like that day. And then they look different the next day and whatever it's, you know, but, uh, yeah, to be the best version of themselves at that moment. And same with power lifters, you know, like they work all in a training cycle up to like where I can get the top lift. And then they're not going to be that strong in two weeks. And they're not going to be that strong two weeks beforehand sometimes, but like for that day, you know, like they're preparing for that day. And so, you know, you do a lot of work to get to, to somewhere, uh, you know, it's like building anything. Uh, then you get to have the thing, uh, for a moment, but it doesn't last because nothing lasts. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I like to, you know, I get uncomfortable to do things, uh, that I want to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously to try new things and, uh, but yeah, for me personally, yeah, it's just most, mostly jujitsu. And I guess the gym for people, I just, like I said, I enjoy that more than most things. Well, you know, I think that brings up a great point is that if you're going to do this and, and, and I truly believe that you should, there should be elements of discomfort in life, but it should all have a purpose. There, there's a, there should be an end in sight. There should be a goal. There should be, you know, something you're striving toward. All of this discomfort needs to be a means to an end. And yeah. defining what that end is, is absolutely paramount. So how do you do that in your life? How do you define those goals? Where, where, do you have a process that you go through for your goal setting to figure out what types of discomfort you need to take you know what, what do you need to do in order to achieve those ends like how, what's that look like for you man well yeah it's like what's the what's the thing that i want to do right now you know like uh, and that's you know i know hem and haul about it for a long time some people figure it out right away maybe they have a pro and con chart or whatever i try to do that every once in a while but uh a lot of times it just comes down to like the way I'm feeling about things and where things are going in life. Uh, like this year I decided when I wanted to get into jujitsu to start with, uh, me getting a blue belt was really, really important to me. And so I drove like an hour and a, a day to go to Portland, you know, like, you know, three times a week, cause that was where the, the school was. And I was like out in the country. And so I drove there like every day to do that. And I wanted to put in the hours and get the time in and uh you know get the skills and get better and uh you know i worked really hard and then someone gave me a blue belt like i didn't yeah i went i was at a different place so it was more of an informal thing and uh you know this place that i trained at locally then where i really liked the people in the dows where i was um uh, my instructor donnie uh i was complaining that i sucked at everything <laughs> i sucked at jiu-jitsu and it was because and he's like you're ready <laughs> like, you know, like basically like oh you're you're ready because you think you suck at everything because i was i was getting like just canned by this d1 wrestler like every day uh and uh so you know but obviously i was a lot better than i i you know i thought i was at the time and you know and i roll with other blue belts and i'm about the same you know like level and i've been doing a blue belt for a year or so and you know i would like to get to the next level in that but when i 
you know, to do that, I put aside a lot of bodybuilding type stuff because I felt like that was more important to me. And like, what did I need? I didn't want to just hide it, especially I was in a small town at the time. So I just didn't want to do bodybuilding because it would just be me hiding by myself all the time. And I already had very little human interaction and very little interaction with men. And so I needed to go out and get that. And so it was really important to do that. And now that I'm, you know, I have, you know, more people around me a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, jujitsu is important to me to keep that skill set up and to slowly get better. Uh, but I was like, well, you know, I'm only, I, I only got so many years left. I'm 47. Um, you know, I, I got so many good years left. Uh, let's see what I can do with this and what I can make this meat suit look like uh, for the next, you know, X amount of months. Uh, let's see. I like, could I be the thing that in my imagination I would like to be, you know, and not just be kind of like, this is fine. You know, like you know, I've gotten abs a few times in my life already. Like I'm good. You're like, uh, you know, this is about the state I'm comfortable with, or can I go to the next level in that? And so I kind of decided to invest a lot of time and some money uh, in a coach and whatever, and, and let him kind of guide me and like, and uh, push me in that direction. And so I've, you know, been working out usually twice a day for like the past three months. And I eat like 2,500 calories a day and 310 grams of that is protein. And uh, so do the math on how you get the rest of it. Uh, but uh, it's uh I put a lot of effort into that right now to see where I can get and to see if I can get to that next level. And I think I've passed the best that I've ever been within the past like few weeks or so. So now it's like, we might need to ratchet it up and then see if we can get to another best level and another best level beyond that. But obviously you're not doing as much jujitsu, right? That, so that's being sacrificed right now, but I would like to eventually get a purple belt and, uh, and that's, you know, like, you don't like say, I want to get a belt in jujitsu because everybody hates that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, it matters. Uh, so eventually, you know, I would, in order to do that, I have to get better. I don't need to just someone to me to hand me the belt. I need to get to the point where I would deserve it. And so then I have to put in all the work and like, well, I'll have to focus on jujitsu and probably go to the gym less. And, uh, and so that'll be a sacrifice that I'll have to make. And, and uh, at that point. And so you just have to see where your body's at. And, you're, you know, uh, yeah, there's an old saying, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, men make plans and God laughs. Uh, and, you know, at any point I could, during this process, I could get injured and have to reevaluate that entire goal set. You know, like, that's why I was like, you know, I'd really like to not, you know, like I have to see what's going on with the last time I got on board right here. You know, something like, uh, like, uh, I've kind of been avoiding doing bicep curls for a while. Like, let me see if that's going to work itself out. Do I need to see a massage therapist or is that, is that about an injury that's about to happen? And then bodybuilding goes away. And so is jujitsu for a while, you know, <laughs> for, you know, three to six to eight months, <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, like you'll have something happen. Like I was like, what am I going to spend $10,000 on? Well, guess what? It's new, new equipment. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like yeah. not because I will upgrade my studio, uh, but because my studio left me. Exactly. So, you know, like, well, life's going to throw you a curveball and then you get to reevaluate you know, the situation that you were in and uh, find a new goal. 
I mean, and you'll see that happen with so many of these guys. I mean, I know Brandon Lilly went through a big period of doing that. And, uh, but all these guys who uh, get to an elite level in an athletic, in uh, some kind of athletic pursuit. And then they realize you can't do that for the rest of your life because your body actually isn't meant to do that for the rest of your life. You can't beat it up that hard for like day in and day out for forever. And then uh, they have to find something else to do. And same thing with guys who, you know, go to Iraq and get a leg blown off. Like, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle that? You know, um, life will change. Life will throw you a curveball and you have to decide, you know, what, do you, what the next goal is. You know, I mean, you know, if, if, you know, I lost this shop and had to just like bail on it, you know, I'd have to figure out, well, what's the, what's the next deal? You know, where do I go? Where, what's, what do I have to figure out from there? Uh, some, sometimes life makes you uncomfortable uh, more than uh, you'd like. So it, it kind of manufactures itself. You know, I think that's a great point too, man. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are starting to get on this train of designing discomfort into their lives because it, because you can't control life. You can't control the weather. You can't control other people. That You can't control when someone's going to bust your windows in and steal all of your sound equipment. You can't control when you're going to battle a two-year infection and have your big toe cut off. Um, there, there's all sorts of things that you can't control in life. But if, if you're not accustomed to adjusting to those levels of discomfort, seeing those things through, reestablishing the baseline, always continually evaluating, you know, self-analysis, setting the goal, moving the goalpost, always pushing the envelope and going forward, then eventually it's just going to be that life happens to you and you're just a victim. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I think what you were saying that that brought up a good point that I think people need to think about too, because it also has to do with people you surround yourself with. Because if you surround yourself with certain kinds of people, when bad, that's the kind of comfort that people don't think about is that uh, it's, so if you surround yourself with someone who's going to have a pity party with you and people seek that out, you know, people seek that out. Men will seek it out in women. They'll seek it out at like, uh, like someone who's going to be like, oh, you're special just the way you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That was so bad. Life's so unfair. Eh. Um, if you surround yourself with those people who are going to tell you that and, and, you know, like coddle you like a little baby, um, you're not going to grow either. And that's very comfortable. I mean, I, I even find when I interact with, I mean, I don't interact with women that often, but like when I, when I interact with women, um, you know, it, it's nice. Cause I'm like, Oh, you're so not judgy. Uh, you know, like <laughs> dudes will judge you, uh, you know, like uh, women are really judgy with each other, but, uh, with, you know, with a, a lot of guys, you could be like, well, this happened to thing. And they'll just like have so much more empathy for you. And, uh, you know, dudes are like, well, that sucks, man. And, uh, you know, and, uh, but they don't want to hear you talk about it because it actually brings everybody down. You know, like, uh, you know, it's, you know, the best friend that you could have be like, Hey, hey that sucks, man. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know, like what, what's the, what's the next step? You know, like, uh, and you know, a really good friend will help you take the next step or do something for you. I know my, my buddy Clint who stopped by to help me out. He, he was, uh, I know that after I get off the, the phone with you here, I have to, uh, he said he has some numbers from some glass people for me. 
because when I was out of town taking pictures, he 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 reached out because he's the guy who knows everybody because he's a tattoo artist. So he knows like every damn person in town. And so he's like, I'm, I, I, got, I might got a glass guy. Let me like look into it. And so like, you know, that's the kind of friend that you need. Like, hey, can you hook me up with a guy who can help me and do the thing so I can help myself? Um, rather than, you know, like, that's so bad. Let's go cry about it together. You know, like that's, uh, if you surround yourself with that, those people, and that is very comfortable, um, you will, yeah, again, not progress in life or not really get anything done. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, people that feed your emotions, feed your reactions, I think they mean well a lot of times, but they don't realize how much harm they're actually doing in the long run. I mean, it's a great example. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a group chat with uh, nine other guys, man, and it's a very close knit group of guys that are spread out across the country. Uh, other strength coaches, business owners, really awesome people. Um, one of the guys in that group <laughs> sent us a video the other morning. It's his uh, security camera outside of his house. His car rolls up. Dude gets out of the car, walks up to the door of his truck, pops it open, gets in, and drives off. I mean, awesome. <laughs> Larry in addition, F-250 with a rooftop tent on the back, all of it. It just drives off. And we're like, oh, my God. Dude, did your truck get stolen? And he's just like, yeah, it did. Sucks. Gonna have to deal with this. Anyway, how's y'all stay? And it was just like this. <laughs> dude dude right. just suffered like a... 70, $75,000 loss. And uh, he's like, that's why I have insurance. Carry on. You know, let's see, let's go and figure out what, you know, what else yeah. is going on in the world. Like it was something that, you know, some people would absolutely tank their day over. Like to wake up, oh, my truck's not here. Instead, he's just like, well, the weather's pretty. I'm going to ride my motorcycle to work today. And, uh, yeah, we're good. This is a completely different perspective. Yeah. 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 So I completely get that, man. So I mean, we've been going about an hour, man. I'm kind of wrap this thing up. So uh, really quickly, if you don't mind, just for people that are listening, when you plug your books um, one more time, tell them what books you have out, where they can find those. Um, you know, my big book that everybody uh, should read, every man should read, I think, because uh, it has the most, uh, I think, universal understanding of masculinity in it is The Way of Men. Uh, it's 10 years old this year. I put it out in hardcover recently. You can order the hardcover on Amazon. It's a little slow at the moment. Eventually, I'll sell signed copies, but, uh, uh, but it is available. Um, and uh, so The Way of Men... Uh, I have another book called Becoming a Barbarian. I have a book called A More Complete Beast. And my uh, last book was called Fire in the Dark, um, which is a little bit more, it deals with myth and, and uh, but masculinity is very full circle with the way of men. Really, if I had to recommend two, I'd do way of men and fire in the dark because they're about the same thing, but it one is at a greater level of detail or a different level of detail. And um, yeah, they're all out on uh, Audible as well. So you can listen to them. Um, I, I write like I'm giving a speech. So sometimes I think audibles are the best and I narrate them. So uh, I think they're sometimes the best uh, listen for a lot of people, except for the really technical stuff. Uh, like the, the, well, I guess that's good too. The pronunciation of Proto-Indo-European and things like that, that, that that's in uh, 
uh, Fire in the Dark. That got that got a little hairy. I like, oh, I'm speaking like five languages in this paragraph, and this this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one. Um, but uh, you know, and I'm not really a linguist. I'm just feeling my way through all this. But uh, but yeah, so that you know, those are those are my major books: uh, The Way of Man, Fire in the Dark, and um, then uh, you know, you can find me on Instagram. That's kind of my main platform. I hope someday that that changes, but it's my favorite for now. Um, also on YouTube, I try to do a little bit more stuff for that now. Um, and my, my handle on Instagram is start the world. And, uh, I use start the world kind of everywhere. Uh, it's from the way of men at the end. And, uh, that's kind of become my slogan. I stole it, but it's, it's become mine, uh, <laughs> you know, it's for, uh, the past like 10 years or so. Uh, so you, that's where you can find me. Of course, my, my website is jack donovancom Awesome, man. Well, look, I appreciate you uh, taking some time and shedding some light on who you are and what you think and uh, man, how we can look at discomfort differently. So appreciate you, man. Yeah. Hope you have a great day, bud. All right. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Discomfort by Design. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jack Donovan. Jack definitely brings some great insights and perspectives to the table. Um, go grab his books. Uh, I have read The Way of Man. It is fantastic. Uh, Fire in the Dark is on my list of things to get here pretty quick. Uh, check out him on Instagram at Start the World. Give him a follow. Uh, keep up with what he's got going on. Um, I know he just came back from a hunt out in Texas. He's talked a pretty good bit about that on his Instagram lately. So go give Jack a follow. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Design some discomfort into your daily life. Have a great day.